morning crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We have Mario, the Node Defender, joining us, Gonzo, the Crypto Goliath, and Jackie, the Crypto Juggernaut. She will be joining us shortly, so very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how the tables have turned on the SEC. After denying another spot Bitcoin ETF, Grayscale has filed a lawsuit against this decision. We break down the latest developments in this attempt to stifle innovation. Doja Bank predicts a $28,000 Bitcoin as Bank of America states crypto winter has had no effect on investor sentiment. Consensus was that institutions are ready to enter the digital asset space. Coinbase is selling user data after inking a three-year deal with the U.S. government, and exchanges are becoming more dangerous than they've ever been before. The Pentagon sees a major flaw in crypto after finding over 60% of traffic goes through three ISPs, begging the question, is crypto truly decentralized? And we show our listeners a powerful clip of Jerome Powell stating the Fed has a massive underestimation of the effects of inflation. After printing over $6 trillion in the last 24 months, we break down how this may be bullish for the crypto market. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Jackie, I see you finally made it to technical difficulties. They couldn't keep you away, but we're going to start off with the no defender, Mario. How are you feeling on this Thursday? Good morning, everybody. I'm feeling really good. Thank you for asking, Abs. Yeah, uh, exciting market. It looks like it's not doing too well today. I mean, it's neither is the, is, the, is the stock market. So it just looks like it's a it, it's a common thing between the two. It's heavily tied, so we know we know that. But um, but yeah, feeling good otherwise. Excited to talk some crypto today. Very excited for this episode, Mario. And if there's any silver lining here, well, it's that billionaires they're built in the bear market. We're gonna kick it to Gonzo this morning. Gonzo, I see you got the new background. How are you feeling on this Thursday? Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm actually feeling pretty good. I'm a little tired. I had to get up like at 1.30 in the morning my time for uh, a work thing, uh, but uh, happy to be here. Um, I thought the show yesterday was awesome with Waters Above. Uh, he brought up some really good content, but um, yeah, just happy to be here. Anytime I'm with you guys and Jackie uh, it, it is a great day. Truly blessed. And we do have some amazing content for our listeners today. We're going to talk about how the BIS just said that $1.8 trillion could be flooding into Bitcoin in the coming months. But we're going to break that down in a little bit. Jackie, I want to hear from you first. We're already getting compliments on your smile. How are you feeling on this Thursday? Thank you for making time for us. Man, y'all in the chat make me feel so good. But I, I need some help today. Can we all just manifest with me a new computer? Like, let's make that happen. Maybe Jeremy will fill those vibes. No, I'm just kidding. I hope he's watching. <laughs> because mine has been lagging like crazy, and I can't stand it. But I'm other than that, I'm great. Like, nothing can get me down. So there we go. Awesome, Jackie. Well, we appreciate it, and we're very excited for this episode. But we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do, by showing you guys our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account, at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter, 1,409 followers. We will be going live at 8 p.m. tonight. Very excited for that. It's always a good time. We're going to hop into the Bitcoin fear and greed index. We are showing in 11 this morning, continuing to sit in this extreme fear range. No major updates there, but when we look at the total market cap, we are taking hits well across the board. Total market cap is sitting at $856 billion this morning. Bitcoin is at 42%. Ethereum is 15%. 
Bitcoin is sitting at $19,100 this morning. We've fallen below $20,000. Ethereum, just above $1K. XRP is $0.31. Cents. Cardano is $0.44. Cents. Avalanche is $16. Stellar is $0.10. Cents. Algorand is $0.29. Cents. And Hedera Hashgraph is $0.06 cents this morning. Gonzo, it's been quite a while since we heard from you and how you've been navigating this market during these bearish times. What catches your attention in this morning and, and what's on your you know, it, it's more of same, same abs, right? Like the longer that we stay in this bear market, then, you know, the better for me because I have a long-term time horizon with the long-term DCA strategy. So um, I actually, like I said, I got up really early. So I watched that correction happen live. Uh, and it seems like, you know me, I'm 24-7, whether I'm on Discord or, or one of the social medias and at all random hours. But it always seems like I always get up at the right time to watch these things happen. So I actually got some uh, Matic, uh, but I've been eyeing Algo. I mean, Algo at 29 cents, man, that, that's really good. So I'll probably be um, getting some more Algo um, and then just keep, you know, like I said, uh, my DCA strategy uh, and, and picking and choosing, you know, sticking with some of the ISO token. I'll probably get some more XDC later today. That's awesome. I'm using this time to do the same thing as well, man. I'm just accumulating those projects that I know have that long-term utility. Some of the top 10 projects that are down 80, 90% from their all-time highs now is the time where I'm trailing my cash into these assets, even though we may just be entering a bear market. But I do want to hear from the node defender. Mario, what's on your mind this morning? Yeah, a lot of the same thing that Gonzo just mentioned. It, it, I think that for, for somebody that's trying to, to, to accumulate for their portfolio, the longer we stay in this, in this kind of bearish trend, the better it is so you can pack your bags. Um, I'm really not expecting anything too exciting to happen this year. Uh, I've been saying that for a very long time. I just think that due to all the the um, the macroeconomic stuff that's been happening, I just don't see any potential for crypto to really create any kind of substantial gains. I really think we're going to go sideways to downwards for most of the year. Um, so it's a great accumulation accumulation opportunity for those that are, that are looking to get into the market. Those that got into the market as it was higher, it's a great time to average out. So if you got in with Bitcoin at thirty thousand or XRP at at sixty cents, well now you can buy XRP at thirty one cents and you can offset that average. So it yeah, I agree with Gonzo. I'm picking up. Um, I've been picking up a little Atom Avalanche. I'm being more consistent with those two. Um, those are two of my favorites. So yeah, great times to be buying as, as the market corrects. We could go down further, but just keep dollar cost averaging. It will offset your, your average cost. One thing that's not up for debate, Mario, is that six months ago, Bitcoin cost 70% more than it did today. We are 70% down from our all-time high. And the people who were telling you to accumulate in October and November, well, they've got extremely quiet these last couple months. So that seems like the time when you should be getting involved in these assets. But I do want to hear from Jackie this morning. Jackie, there's so much turbulence in the NFT space and a lot of the markets that are affected by cryptocurrencies. So what have you been doing with your NFTs and maybe passive income opportunities during this turbulent time? Um, I've been avoiding NFTs just because of the sheer fact that, uh, that, that hype is dying down, obviously. Um, and that was, that was kind of well known by us. We knew it was highly speculative space and it kind of blew up with the hype of NFTs. And, and so not really doing much with those, but just like my, my dear brothers here, I am also, um, accumulating those layer ones. I really like Polkadot as well. That's another one that I'm eyeing on um i know cosmos just came out with kind of a similar security uh system with their blockchains as polka dot does i don't know if you guys saw that last yesterday but yeah that's what i'm i'm doing i'm kind of following that same narrative of 
accumulating solid projects, layer one solutions are definitely the ones that I'm looking at. That's awesome, Jack. And we already got people in the live chat talking about how they're going to fund and get you a brand new computer. But we're going to start off with our first news article for today, which is actually a tweet from Peter Schiff. Peter Schiff says that MicroStrategy's latest Bitcoin purchase seems like an attempt to influence the market by demonstrating conviction to other investors. We covered this a little bit yesterday, but what MicroStrategies did is they did a $10 million buy on Bitcoin at these very low prices. What Peter Schiff's calling out here is that it was just a $10 million buy. That's very, very small for a company the size of MicroStrategies. Gonzo, what does this article say to you? And what are you anticipating from some of these larger firms who have been so publicly supportive of Bitcoin? Um, you know, I, I think they're going to continue to buy, but just to kind of back up real quick on, you know, kind of investment thesis, what we were talking to at the beginning, um, understand that you have to do what's best for you. I, I think you guys talked about this yesterday and we go into this when we dollar cost average, understanding that these alts have pulled back 80, 90%, but they can continue to go down even further depending on what Bitcoin does. Right. But because we have a long-term DCA strategy, like what Mario's talking about, we're going to be able to catch those prices on the way down. We're not going to be able to guess or time the bottom, right? But as long as we continue to DCA, then we'll get that spread and we'll be okay. But everyone has to do what's best for them. But understand, we go into it knowing that we can pull back even more on these alts. But like I said, it's going to keep DCAing. But yeah, as far as like um, these investment funds and, and that, you know, follow the money, right? They're going to continue to buy, right? I think there was a different story. I think MicroStrategy bought another like 410 Bitcoin, right? And yeah, we're wait, Gonzo, just to interject there. So what, what the actual story was, was that Gonzo, sorry, not Gonzo, MicroStrategies purchased 480 Bitcoin yesterday, which was $10 million. And what Peter Schiff is saying in this tweet is that that's a very small buy. So he's, he's claiming that MicroStrategies is trying to trick the market into thinking they're bullish when they're actually not act leveraging themselves that heavily right now. You know what? You know what's funny about that? Like, I don't like Peter Schiff. Like, that, that's the gold guy, right? Is that the gold guy? Yeah. I mean, could could he be? Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I think that um, MicroStrategy has shown that they just continue to buy Bitcoin. So um, yeah, they could be trying to like pump the market, but I doubt it because they were buying when, when it was at thirty thousand, right? And they just continue to buy. So he's going to keep accumulating. I don't think MicroStrategy really cares what Peter Schiff says. Um, and I think it's just kind of the back and forth kind of Twitter thing. But um, if those guys uh, weren't buying previously at higher price points, then maybe you could say that. But um, I think they're going to continue to buy. And if we go below, you know, we go to 12, 11,000, whatever that is, you're going to see them. They're going to keep buying, right? Because this is where the smart money buys. And one thing we know about MicroStrategy is clearly they can't predict the top and they can't predict the bottom. They were making huge buys on Bitcoin when it was all the way up at 55,000. And now they're just doubling down right now, which is surprising to me, right? If they're so optimistic about the price of Bitcoin, why are they only taking $10 million? And that's exactly what Peter Schiff is. Typically, I don't agree. When it comes to this particular argument, I am curious as to why they're only taking a $10 million buy right now. Jackie, what catches your attention here? I was going to say, maybe, you know, maybe he's just using a dollar cost averaging strategy. I don't know. <laughs> just, I mean, like you said, he bought at 55. Um, maybe he's just like, all right, let's slam the brakes a little bit and not go all in. And let's just dollar cost average on the way down. Um, I don't know. Hey, if he is trying to, you know, kind of bring Bitcoin to life to retail investors and kind of sneakily throw it out there and get them to put in. Why not? That's what all institutions do anyway, just to for more exit liquidity. That could totally be what he's doing. So, um, yeah. Wouldn't surprise he's, trying to, 
He's trying to DCA billionaire style is what he's right, doing. Right, right. <laughs> I was going to say, though, I was going to say, like, man, just to have that much money, just to throw in at any time. You know what I mean? We were talking, oh, Waters Above yesterday when he said, you know, Warren Buffett's just like a walking bank. I feel like I feel like Michael Saylor's like that new one for crypto just because he keeps, you know, throwing money at Bitcoin all the time. That's kind of you think of you think of buying Bitcoin, you think of Michael Saylor almost immediately. So And it's a little cool. ominous, Jackie, because back in 2008, Michael Saylor actually became famous for losing nine billion dollars in one day during the dot com bubble. So it's one of these things where it's like, yeah, I agree with what he's doing here, but at the same time, he's failed massively before, so it wouldn't be the first time if it happens again. If you guys are enjoying this content, show us some love, smash that like button. We are about to dive into our first articles for today, and if you're looking for any of these beautiful people, all social medias are linked down below. We're going to get this thing started off with the breaking news that happened yesterday as Grayscale is going to be suing the SEC over the rejected proposal of their spot Bitcoin ETF. They said they were deeply disappointed by the decision and do not agree with the SEC at all in their rejection of the spot Bitcoin ETF. The SEC has already approved futures-based products, and in October of 2021, Grayscale initially filed its application for this spot Bitcoin ETF. Since that time, more than 11,400 comments have come in from general members of the public, as well as Grayscale, in, in addition, supporting this product. And again, they denied it. So I'm very curious to hear from our group here. The Bitcoin ETF, it continues to be denied across the board. And they keep saying that they're going to extradite and go away from the United States and into Europe. But what catches my attention is that American companies, they're not going to be comfortable getting involved in this stuff until it's accepted within our borders. Gonzo, what does this article say to you? Yeah, you know, uh, we we had talked about this on a previous show that if they didn't, you know, approve it, that they were going to sue them. So I, I wasn't surprised. Um I, I think the SEC's reasoning uh, for the denial, like they talked about, um, basically like whales, that whales can manipulate the price, that platforms get hacked. Um, and it just didn't seem like a very strong argument, considering that they had already approved the futures ETF, right? And so these guys are saying that they're being inconsistent in the way that they're applying the law. So, um, you know, I think that eventually it's going to get approved and they're going to win. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take as far as if it gets drug out through court, but um, if it coincides with the SEC and Ripple ruling, where when they lose that one, because we know they're going to lose, uh, and then they lose this one, they might take like, um, you know, two shots to the chin, um, you know, so it's going to be interesting. And here's something worth noting. The SEC identified some of the possible opportunities for manipulation in this market, and some of these included the dominant positions in Bitcoin attempting to manipulate the price, hacks on trading platforms, and Tether's fraudulent value, basically, is what the SEC is saying. The Tether hasn't proven that they hold any of the assets that they're claiming to, but they continue to impact the market. Every time we get a dip, Tether's printed out of thin air, and they're purchasing these assets at low prices. Mario, what catches your attention here? Yeah, I can. I can't help but wonder how how much how how many more times they can continue to uh, to push this down. I mean, so so many so many different uh, Bitcoin ETF applications have been put out, and they can they continuously deny them. I mean, I get their point. They're 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 trying to protect investors, and and they're using that as as an excuse for oh the volatility is too high. The the uh, exchanges can get hacked, and there's uncertainty in Tether. Well, I mean, you have Gary Gensler coming up on TV and basically admitting that Bitcoin is a commodity. So he, I really thought when he said that the other day that that was an indication this time it was going to get approved. But I guess we were wrong. It was good to see that Grayscale was prepared, though. Grayscale is going to fight this. Um, 
my hunch is that they might they might get a win because because they have enough enough to to basically make it make their case in court. I think that they could potentially get a win. Um, it would be nice to finally see a Bitcoin ETF. I get their concerns, like the volatility is high, but I mean, I think the ETF could potentially help with that. Yeah, Mario, and we're going to continue to see new money entering this market over these next few months. And if Grayscale doesn't get this approved within our borders, they are going to move overseas. But it's more about regulation than it is about the actual product. And we're going to hear from their CEO here as he's criticizing not only Gary Gensler in the SEC, but the overall regulatory framework that exists today. We're going to let this clip play and get comments from the group. Is there a precedent for this sort of action to sue the SEC for a rejection? Well, Melissa, it's been a busy 12 hours for the Grayscale team. Of course, last night getting the SEC's decision, we were, of course, very disappointed. But as an organization, we were ready. Um, regulators do get sued, um, and it does happen frequently. Last night, after receiving the SEC decision, our attorneys almost immediately filed a petition for review with the appellate court in D.C., and that starts the litigation process contesting the SEC's decision, which we, of course, vehemently disagree with. We clearly disagree with the SEC as well, but what gets me excited is that the SEC is now going to be ongoing another lawsuit. They're going to have more financial obligations when it comes to this market. Gonzo, what catches your attention here? And then we'll hear from Jackie. Yeah, and these guys have money, right? Like, you're not talking about, like, maybe some small crypto uh, blockchain that you know is gonna if it gets drawn out it could bankrupt them so it forces them into settlement these guys are like ripple they got tons of money and they're gonna fight this thing the whole way so you're right um you know at some point they're gonna start looking at the sec as are they weighing are they wasting taxpayers money and all the money that goes into defend these cases i think it was hilarious that uh in the writing you know the the thing that the sec wrote up is that they threw shade on tether but they basically describe what the fed does with the dollar right it gets printed out of thin air, which is the same thing that they're accusing Tether of. So, uh, you know, I thought that was hilarious. An infinite money supply is what's controlling this market today. And I expect nothing to change. Every time new money needs to be printed, well, new money will be printed. But I do want to hear from Jackie. Jackie, what catches your attention here? I'm, I'm just thinking about how we can kind of take an outro uh, perspective on this. Just because, you know, when things like this get blown up or it it's a case where it gets drawn out. That's usually a meaning of something, you know, some plan that they have down the line. I know I, I remember when an ETF was kind of a big thing on a lot of people. This was back when Bitcoin was trading. Gosh, I think it was trading in the 50s. And a lot of people were saying that, that this could be a signal if it did get approved. This I think it was like a year ago. If an ETF, if a spot ETF did get approved for some institution that it would have been, um, you know, kind of a sign of the top. Some people were speculating that. And so, you know, if this does get drawn out, that might be, you know, just something to catapult us into the next run, or it could be some, some topish signal if it does get approved, you know, next cycle or something like that. So that's something that I'm kind of taking a perspective on of what would be the narrative or the plan of why they would be drawing this out. I know, I know it's for face value. It is, you know, because it's not a trusted thing, regulation, things like that. But I think there is, you know, some some form of belief to go beyond that. So, so yeah, I'm just trying to think of those those perspectives as well. Totally agree, Jackie. And one of the things that catches my attention is despite not having regulation, large players not only continue to publicly back Bitcoin, but move into this asset class. The Bank of International Settlements proposed today that banks are going to be allowed to hold 1% of their reserves in Bitcoin. That would be $1.8 trillion in Bitcoin alone. 
Mario, why don't you break down what that can mean for the overall market? And could this be a sign that this bear market we're going through now, well, it may be shorter than many anticipate. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think that we will have a shorter bear market. Uh, can things be playing out to to be positive for the for the space for for the crypto space? Absolutely, but I'm still gonna I'm still gonna continue thinking that this is gonna be just another cycle, and you know, in 2024, 2025, we'll we'll have the bull run. But this is good news. I mean, this this adds a little bit more credibility to the space. I mean, specifically, it's just Bitcoin. Um, and we address Bitcoin news because it is the leader in the space. It, it is what what created the space and and continues to drive the, the the market, whether price action up and down. So it is good to see. Hopefully, if if banks start holding one percent of which which is not a lot, but I mean it's not a lot of one percent, but one point eight trillions one point eight trillion dollars coming into the Bitcoin uh, market cap that would make a tremendous uh, tremendous price increase as far as that's concerned. So let's see how quick that happens, but. I would presume just just because of of how things usually play out, I would presume that this would only happen as we get closer to another to to the bull run. So 2024, 2025. Gonzo, what else catches my attention here is the fact that they're allocating one percent. We just had Fidelity a couple months ago saying that they're going to allow employees to allocate 20 percent of their 401ks into assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum. So as we see a small portion of the largest money supplies on the planet get into this asset class, what does that tell you about the overall market? And People get upset. Bitcoin continues to drive this market today. Nothing has changed, even though we've evolved so much. And a lot of these altcoins have real world use cases. Bitcoin is the thing that drives this market today. When Bitcoin goes up, the market goes up. When Bitcoin goes down, the market goes down. We're still waiting for a decoupling event on many of these assets. But what catches your attention here? And when do you think Bitcoin is going to stop driving this market, Gonzo? Yeah, I I mean, we as far as like stopping to drive the market, like maybe if ethereum when ethereum finally like flips it in total market cap um that might be but i think it's it's always going to be there right it's we say it's the energy of the market um but so we're watching the um the evolution of the adoption of this asset class right and so um it's just one percent now but um as as banks look at these guys as the guinea pigs and they start to see that it's profitable then that's when they all start doing it right it's like a copycat thing so it's just the beginning. We, we always talk about this, that we're, we're so, so early, right? And this is the kind of the process of the institutional money coming in. Um, and so I, I think it's just the beginning of the adoption curve. We sit here before regulation, Jack, and we are going to dive into some Pentagon news that breaks down that none of these currencies may be decentralized. And that goes for Bitcoin as well because of the internet products that they're forced to go through in order to exchange value. It gets very complicated, but I want to know what catches your attention here. $1.8 trillion. This isn't going to be flooding into the crypto markets. This is going to be going into Bitcoin, and that would take our market cap well above where we are today. So I can only imagine the impact it would have on the altcoins. Just six months ago, this was a $3 trillion market, and today we're less than $900 billion. How long do you think till we recover, Jackie? Oh, gosh, I have no clue how long until we recover. Um, I'm just going to refer to some of the <laughs> to some of the dates that Waters above talked about um, yesterday. I mean, historically, it was right on point, right? We usually see a bottoming. Um, and I, I really like the perspective that he gave, you know, people who aren't really into technical analysis. He talked about quarter fours. Um, and that was something that I had brought back to our academy on our Monday, Wednesday, Friday calls. Um, quarter fours. I mean, he was right on point. That's typically when you see um, an ultimate bottom for Bitcoin. And that's typically when you see a, a top, uh, an all time high as well. So 
Um, I guess um, I'm just going to copycat what he said. You know, we will probably see that at the end of this year, moving on into to early 2023. Yes. And Mario, I'd love to hear some closing comments from you here. People are talking about how this market's going to be heavily manipulated until ISO 20022 comes out, which is going to be the new banking protocols that every single bank on the planet is going to be using to exchange value. That's not going to be fully implemented until 2025, but many of these assets, well, they're going to be dipping until then. What catches your attention here and what currencies do you think people should be watching during these turbulent times? Yeah, for me, I definitely agree with what Mr. Wright said. I think that they're going to do things in a way that the banks and institutions have the the opportunity to get in when it's more convenient to get in and it's convenient when the prices are down. And then they want the retail to come in. So then they start pushing out all the bullish news. As far as the currencies, I think that for for me personally, I start looking at Bitcoin at these levels. Um, I want to accumulate some Bitcoin before prior prior to the next bull run. Ethereum, uh, I'm looking into Cosmos, Atom. Like I said before, I'm accumulating consistently Atom and and Avalanche. And um, and yeah, XRP, I'm not really buying at these prices anymore. I mean, I've, I've already got a pretty decent size xrp i will consider accumulating more xrp if we get like to the low 20s if for some reason you know prices go down lower and we start getting like 25 24 23 i'll start dollar cost averaging in again but um but yeah those currencies those are the ones that i'm keeping on my radar at the moment amazing and we got over 190 live listeners out there show us some love and smash that like button we are going to continue to bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto related topics on a daily basis and we're going to jump into our next story for today which is a bullish article for all of our crypto investors out there as bank of america says crypto winter concerns haven't frozen investor interest this is very very good for investors like us who know how early we are before regulation yet we're waiting for the larger players and we're going to get some indicators here about when the largest players in this market are going to get involved in this space the web3 and digital assets day conference was held by bank of america last tuesday and conversations with more than 160 clients who attended made it clear that blockchain technology in the digital asset ecosystem well they're here to stay Bank of America remains optimistic for mainstream digital asset adoption. Even though the recent declines have hit the entire market, it's likely a healthy correction for the ecosystem, and it's going to be good for the development of cryptocurrencies long term. Client engagement continues to grow, and the focus remains on the rapid development and disruptive nature of blockchain technology, despite the falling token prices and headlines suggesting that the ecosystem's demise has arrived. We talk about this every single day on our channel, that the best part about this bear market right here is that people aren't questioning whether crypto is going to be here to stay or it's going away. They're only questioning the short-term price action. Gonzo, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, you know, um, I think it just shows where we are in the adoption curve and that people are a lot more sophisticated than they were back like in 2015 and then 2017, right? We had that narrative um, that, um, you know, crypto was going to go to zero. And like Waters was talking about yesterday, Jordan was, that it was like Bendelum, right? It was crazy. Um, and I think that people are a lot more aware of the cycles. And because we've gone through um, different uh, bear and bull runs now, I think they're a little bit more comfortable. They're a little bit more educated. So they understand that this is a normal thing. Us going through a bear market or a, you know, crypto winter uh, is a normal thing. And they can see um, the light at the end of the tunnel, Right. And, and those people that are coming, right, we've talked about this, like retail has left. Right now, this is where crypto gets boring, right? Like, like Jordan said yesterday, it's not sexy. But the people that stay because they understand where the asset class is going, those are the people that are going to come up in the next run. And that's going to be us. 
And we always talk about how 2023 is going to be the year of institutional adoption. And that's going to take place because regulation, well, that's going to take place in 2023 as well. They specifically outline how regulation is needed for a larger, for a lot of these larger institutions to get involved in this market. And one of the regulatory bodies that's taking place right now and taking hold of this market, well, they're squeezing the life out of crypto when it comes to the United States, whether it's the spot Bitcoin ETF that the SEC just denied or the ongoing lawsuit with Ripple. They're squeezing crypto away from the United States and across into the other borders. But Jackie, I'd like to hear your thoughts. What are some of your thoughts on Bank of America being optimistic, even though the price is across the board? Well, they're taking massive hits. You know, I'm, I just have been hanging out with uh, JV, Jeremy and Brenda at the office for, for so long within the past couple of days that we've been having these conversations about, um, like the RAS system. And, you know, we always talk about within the Academy. So I'm, I'm, this is going to be, you know, a different perspective within the Academy, you know, what you, what you believe in your heart, you think in your mind, um, eventually become your words and become your reality. Right. And so I'm, you, you see the, the verbiage that's constantly used within media, um, blockchain technology, digital assets, things like that, you know, that eventually affects like your RAS system, your reticular activating system. If you don't really know what that is, look that up, uh, just Google it. Um, but then you just start to see these things. And then eventually, you know, the people get comfortable, the, the regular retail investors get comfortable with those words. It's not so unfamiliar anymore. And when things don't become unfamiliar and they're not they're not scary, there's no more fear. Right. So I think with all these, you know, news media outlets using the same um, verbiage, but also also when it's in connection with things they're already familiar with, Bank of America, um, all of, you know, all the other banks, all the other big names, um, Michael Saylor, things like that. When people are start to kind of make those connections, it's easier for them to just get into these types of assets and things like that. Um, so I don't know. That's where my mind has been wandering. I don't even know if you asked me a question. <laughs> no, that was perfect, Jackie. That was a great response. And it's it's clear that your mind is thinking just like the bankers here because it was consensus that institutional investors are preparing to enter the digital asset ecosystem, but remain on the sidelines until a comprehensive regulatory framework has been established. They also went on to call Web3 the most significant evolution of software since the internet. So we're always comparing the adoption of the internet to the adoption of cryptocurrencies. And we actually think it's going to take place at a much quicker pace, a much faster rate. Mario, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on this article. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, just because of the fact that if most people already have devices, most people already have computers, phones, tablets. So that's going to that's going to exponentially increase the the adoption curve because back when the internet started people didn't really have computers it wasn't it wasn't as accessible and and as cheap as as it is today i mean you could buy a laptop for $150 you could buy a chromebook for $100 that gives you access to the internet so that alone that alone in my opinion is going to create this is going to increase the the speed of this adoption and i do agree that that we do need clarity i just I, I'm not concerned with with the uh, whether we're going to get clarity or not because I see other other nations, I see other countries already moving towards it, and so I just think that the U.S. is just deliberately falling behind for some reason, which I'm not going to sit here and try to figure out what that is. But there has to be some kind of reason why they're doing what they're doing, and the fact that other nations have already um, declared Bitcoin, XRP, and, and and the list goes on as as digital assets. 
then that that's what gives me the conviction that that there's no reason to be afraid as far as as far as the regulation is concerned. Very optimistic on regulation, and I'm excited that now institutions are going to have a framework to operate within this space. But we have some breaking news here, which is that Jed McCaleb now only has 74 million XRP left. He started with 9.5 billion XRP, and he's made about 8 billion US dollars from selling all of this currency. Gonzo, what does this article say to you? Yeah, you know, uh, I think we talked about this the other day. I think it got brought up in the chat too. I think there were certain requirements and parameters that, that he had to sell, right? And during a certain amount of time. So like I had said before, it's good that we're kind of wrapping up this stage of it. Um, that way we can kind of move on and we don't have to talk about Jed. I will say this, it's always been interesting to me. I know that you guys talked about it on the show about how the breakup had to do with his girlfriend. Um, but I always had this thought in the back of my head as far as the lawsuit and why he wasn't named. You know, usually like in criminal cases, when you see one of the defendants not charged is because he turned evidence, right? He testified against the others. So I was wondering, I'm trying to fight. I'm just a thought that I had in my head is I wonder if he gave any information to the SEC or he cooperated somehow behind the scenes. Uh, and that's why they left him alone. Yes, there's so much room for conspiracy there because I definitely believe whatever's taking place, they're not telling us, so it's up for us to decide. But I do want to hop into our next article for today, which is a Coinbase article. Coinbase will reportedly provide crypto user data to the U.S. government. They reportedly, they, Coinbase will reportedly provide data regarding cryptocurrency users in the United States, and it's going to go to the custom services, which is very, very interesting here. The information will include historical geo-tracking and transaction history of clients the data will particularly help identify crypto users and investors. Additionally, thanks to the added material and contact to the United States Department of Homeland Security's powers will be enhanced. All Coinbase tracer features are used data that is forced, that is fully sourced from online publicly available data. They're basically claiming that they're not giving away any individual's protected data. They're only giving away our public data to the United States government. Mario, how do you feel about centralized exchanges continuing to turn their back on retail investors like us and continuing to get hit with crazy information like this? Yeah, I haven't really had too much time to digest that 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 article. Um, I mean, it's it's with ICE, which is the immigration uh, part of the government. And um, what I'm thinking is that they're possibly trying to capture information of, of maybe payments that are being used for for nefarious activities, um, which which if that's the case, then you know it totally makes sense. We know that crypto market needs the crypto market needs some sort of. Um, I really think that, and I'm I'm trying to get my thought correct here. I really think that wallets will at some point become KYC, meaning that you will have to KYC in order to get a self custody wallet, or like MetaMask, you will have to KYC, and just because they're going to want to know. Who the owner of that wallet is and where the money is going to and from for for for, for exactly this reason for preventing nefarious activities you know trafficking and all that stuff so i i'm thinking that that's the reason why coinbase is providing that information i just hope it doesn't turn into another facebook kind of scenario what gets me a little bit nervous is that they're so openly working with the u.s government here and willing to give our information away even in these small amounts of money the agreement signed in last September with a maximum value of $1.37 is just one of many contracts that's, sent, that's been signed between Coinbase and the United States government. This only makes me want to use not centralized exchanges even more. It makes me want to move 
away from the centralized entities because I want to protect my data. People are like, why do you not want to give away your data if you have nothing to hide? But it's, a it's not about that. The concern isn't the fact that I have something to hide. The concern is that they have access to my data and can profit off of it without me giving them that approval. But Gonzo, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, you know what? It's, it's what, like Mario was saying. Maybe it even starts off, and I'm not saying that it is, but maybe that it does start off with some kind of intention or some purpose. But the problem is with government is that they always overreach, right? So it could start off where they're trying to track maybe nefarious like drug payments that are going over this seas or whatever that is. Um, and then they overreach, right? That's what governments do. And then once you lose the control, and, and I agree with you, Abs, why I want control over it's because it's a sovereignty thing, right? Because once you lose these things, you don't get them back. They don't all of a sudden say, oh, you know what? We didn't really need, need all that information or you know what? You lost that right. And so we're going to give you that right back because we really didn't need it, right? It's what happened after September 11th when they slid in the Patriot Act, right? Yeah, you know, they used it in the guise of to protect the country against terrorism. But if you read the Patriot Act, the things that they slid in there um, really had nothing to do with, with um, terrorism, right? And, and that's the problem. But unfortunately, I, I feel like that's kind of, that's like the evolution of what happens, right? Like companies like Coinbase, they start off like with um, very idealistic decentralization, all this stuff. They start to make money, then they go public, then they have to follow these regulations. And now they're cooperating with the government, giving up our information. It feels like sometimes that's like, like the progression of things that happen. Um, and I love, but I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Gonzo. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I love how they always use the disguise of protection. They're always doing us a service when they're selling our data or they're profiting off of us. It's always for our own benefit. And that's what the SEC is doing here as well. But we do have a quote, which is very, very interesting. The team that created Coinbase Analytics, which is now known as Coinbase Tracer, has actually been involved with nefarious activity before, as its executive team had previously worked on a startup that sold spyware to several governments, including Saudi Arabia, which is known for violating human rights. Jackie, I do want to hear from you here. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not shocked that Coinbase is looking to give up our data. And that's that's what I'm thinking in the back of my head. It probably does go further than what they're saying it actually is going to do. Um, because Gonzo is actually, that's 100% correct. You know, once you give up a little bit, you know, if you give them an inch, they take a mile. It, it's so true. It reminds me of that quote. Um Gosh, who said it? It was, I think it was Benjamin Franklin. He said, those, those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little bit of temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety, right? So it's, that is the exact, it's, it's that exact thing that happens all the time. And even when you see with these little things like that, even though it doesn't seem like such a big deal right now, you know, it just, the, it just keeps getting pushed further and further down the road. Right. And then essentially, you know, you're, you're locked in your house and what does Johnny say? You have to take the, Oh, never mind. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I almost said it and I forgot I was on live. Okay. But yeah, they're going to, they're going to eventually take further than what, than what you hope. So, or what you even realize, you know, then you know, what's funny, Jackie, is that people often forget because we, we, we don't pay enough attention to history, but until the United States was established in 1776, Basically, every single nation state that ever existed before that was controlled by dictators, which is just one person who has total control over a nation state. We are going through a very unique experience now of trying out democracy and letting the people rule themselves. And it's only been 300 years. It seems like a really, really long journey, but we're only learning the pros and cons now 
of giving the power back to the people and away from individuals. And one of the things that continues to happen is when democracy gets too far spread, well, the power begins to get centered into these few individuals as well. So it's almost like the, the, the circle, it comes, the system comes full circle and we end up in a system where a few individuals have all the power. I'm not sure that's going to go away, but people are looking for an escape and that's why they're getting involved in the cryptocurrency market. The Pentagon is actually warning against that exactly. The Pentagon says that decentralization, well, it really doesn't exist in the market today as they warn of major vulnerabilities in Bitcoin and blockchain technology as a whole. The, Pen the Pentagon has commissioned a study that discovered some major concerns and vulnerabilities involving the crypto market. A subset of participants can garner access and centralized control over the entire system, and that's what they're claiming is going on today. A number of entities sufficient to disrupt the blockchain, well, that's relatively low. For Bitcoin, there's only four specific addresses that correlate to 60% of the traffic that's taking place on that network. For Ethereum, it's even less with only two ISPs being responsible for the majority of data that's being distributed on Ethereum. Mario, I'd love to hear from you. How do you feel about decentralization? Well, it's being proven as a myth. And can we ever get into a system where there's more ISPs transferring this data? Yeah, decentralization really gets put into, uh, into question when you take this into consideration. And that is a really good point because the internet as we know it, it it's, it's, a, it's, it's a network all over the world. And that network is heavily centralized. There are a few entities that own that, that infrastructure. They own those rails. And cryptocurrency runs on the internet, essentially. Yes, blockchain is being considered the evolution of the internet, but it still runs on that on that on those rails. So for as long as we have a monopoly of internet internet service providers and those rails are heavily centralized, then cryptocurrency is only going to be as decentralized as it can get. Uh, with with them being into play so what that means is do they have total control over the blockchain network they don't have total control over the blockchain network in itself in my opinion but they can dictate what goes through their network so if all of a sudden they say we're blocking this particular protocol from from operating in our network they could totally do so now can they block it on all different can it be blocked by all different all all three or four or whatever how many isps we have Absolutely, probably not, but but it, it does question the decentralization of cryptocurrency. Absolutely, because the internet, as we know it, it, it still it still runs on the internet on the internet rails. So, Jackie, does this prove that the decentralization narrative not only does it not exist right now, but the fact that it may not even be possible if we still have to use the rails of the internet to transfer this value? Gosh, yeah, and I I always kick back to I think. We're at such an early stage of this technology. We just don't understand where it could go. So at this point in time, you know, and I, I always, that's, I mean, that's all I have as far as the future goes. I, I, I hope there's, there is a hope for decentralization. I think we all, we all kind of jumped into crypto. Um, that was kind of everyone's kind of saving grace when they jumped into crypto and their, their hope at the core that there was, you know, this, this decentralization and this, this kind of libertarian fight for fight for freedom. You know what I mean? And so I really hope there is, um, I, at this point in time though, I, I really don't know if we know that the answer to that question. Exactly. I don't think I don't think we'll ever yeah. get we'll ever get full full decentralization as we, as we would hope. I mean, can is crypto helping right now with a little bit of financial decentralization? Yes, but full decentralization, unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever have. 
Well, why would any of the powers that have centralized control ever relinquish that power? Jackie just brought it up when it comes to the governments. They never relinquish control. If you're going to give them the power to control our currency, why would they ever give that up? Gonzo, why don't you take us home here? I was just going to say, you know, I think it's a it's an idea. Uh, some would even say it's a movement. And I think that eventually we can get there. But we find this out more and more that even with some of the blockchains that, that we think are decentralized, something happens, whether it's a hack or an outage or, or what have you with like the whole Solana thing, whether we're going to take over the whale's wallet, where um, you see that they're not as decentralized as people thought, right? There was a whole thing with consensus and Ethereum. And so I, I think it's something to, to work towards. But um, I think if you were to look underneath, uh, you would find that it's not as decentralized as we think it is. Amazing, um, guys. Something to work for. Yes, and we got 166 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Sorry, 177. Show us some love and smash that like button. We are going to continue to bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics every single day of the week. But we're going to hop into our next video for today, which is that Fed Chair Jerome Powell talks about how they massively underestimated the effects of inflation. And we're going to talk about how this may just be a good thing for the people holding cryptocurrency. But we'll let this clip play first. Here we go. One way to say it would be we, I think we now understand better how little we understand <laughs> about inflation. That's very reassuring. No, it, you know, it, honestly, this was this was unpredicted. I, I was looking at our um, uh, at the time of our June meeting one year ago. The, of the thirty-five uh, uh, people who filed uh, with this survey of professional forecasters, thirty-four of them had inflation below four percent for last year. And of course, it was way above four percent. So. Really, really, everyone had the same model, which was the so just to be clear, what the Fed is supposed to do is keep inflation right around 2%. Many of the people had predicted double that rate at 4%. But right now we're actually going through inflation rates close to 10% right now, Gonzo. How do you feel about the long term impact inflation is going to have on the crypto market specifically? Because in an inflationary environment, well, assets are the number one thing that benefits. And right now, cryptocurrency is an asset. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely my, my personal opinion is that uh, we're going to be higher, right? That it's in double digits, right? You look at, I was look, reading an article, like rent has gone up like two or 3%. We already know gas has gone up. Uh, food has gone up. What, what they measure it by it, it is not very accurate. Um, and so um, the Fed doesn't really have a choice. They're going to keep cranking it up, right? And basically what they're doing is destroying the economy, Right. This whole like illusion of a soft landing, that, that's not happening, right? And again, I'm not saying that to like scare anyone or to fight anything. What I, what I see is just opportunities as it, it's going to crush assets, right? Um, there are more efficient ways to do what they're doing, right? For them to sit there and act like, um, you know, they didn't see it coming. Well, the, we did, right? People have been talking about it. Other people saw it coming, right? And there are so many more efficient ways. Like it seems it's like so archaic that we have to wait for the Fed but the, to respond by raising and you know cutting interest rates when you know we have so much technology right i think shamal on that podcast talked about that you could have ai right do this and instead of raising 75 incrementally when they saw this thing going bad they could start to move it up incrementally little by little and that would probably create the soft landing but the way that they're doing it um, it's like using a blunt force uh, object uh, for something where you need a scalpel, right? Um, uh, but it's nothing new because they're never going to give up that control.
Yes, and I do want to play the end of this clip because he agrees with you exactly what you said, Gonzo. The way that they've been measuring inflation, not only is it outdated, but it's straight up incorrect. And that's what Jerome Powell says in this clip. I'm going to let it play, and then we'll hear from Jackie. model, and it just was not capable of producing high inflation. But what it was missing was something that's completely missing in the data for 40 years, which is a, basically a collapse of the supply side. You know, the, the, the U.S. economy is famously adaptable. You know, it does it has the minimum of structural rigidities, all that kind of thing. And yet here they are. So you, so what you have one way to say, well, that's the clip right there. He talked about the collapse of the supply chain and how they hadn't anticipated that every single time you're going to raise gas prices, goods and services are going to be directly affected by that raise. Jackie, what catches your attention here? I'm just laughing. I'm, I asked, I asked you to show the article again because I was, um, I, I couldn't remember what you had said, Abs, at the beginning. You said Jerome Powell had said something. They weren't I, – I don't remember what you had said, but I don't know if it was the same article that I had seen yesterday where Jerome Powell stated that the economy was in strong shape and it was quoted strong shape. No, so different article, different article. Okay, no, literally, look it up. Yesterday, Jerome Powell says the economy's in strong shape. What a shame. So, so I don't, uh, yeah. So that's why I'm a little confused sitting here. I didn't, I didn't see this video yesterday, so I'm just laughing. Um, yeah, I just anything that comes out of his mouth, you just don't take it. Guys, take it for take it for pennies. Hundred percent, and inflation's actually closer to twenty percent. That's what Johnny Ripple says out there, and I totally agree. When they're measuring inflation, they are not including gas prices, and they're not including your groceries, and those are two of the things that have gone skyrocketing over these last twelve months. But Gonzo, do you have any closing comments here? No, I, you know, I think we covered it all. Like we all know that um, we're heading into a recession and that in inflation is way higher than they say it is. A hundred percent. And our next article is actually a tweet from Crypto Mason talking about the governing council of HBAR. We always talk about how HBAR could be one of the best currencies in the market by 2025, 2027. Well, some of the names behind this group are outstanding. We have IBM, Google, Boeing, Standard Bank, some of the largest companies in the world are partnered to govern the Hedera network. And that's going to lead to more and more use cases. Mario, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, HBAR is is a is another project that I highly recommend keeping on your radars. Definitely. Um, I already have a little bit of, of HBAR, but I think going going into the next bull run, HBAR is definitely a, a crypto that I would recommend people to have on their portfolio. You know, along alongside with uh with with Ethereum, Avalanche. Um, XRP. I really see we, we're seeing a lot of ties in the, some of the names that, that that are shown right there. Those are some of the signs that that there uh, is a strong fundamental investment. Yes. And somebody commented that coins have been suspended on Binance and nobody's talking about it. Well, I do not use Binance as a U.S. citizen. I do use Coinbase. I use Kraken. I use Crypto.com, some of these other exchanges. But the reason we don't talk about it is because, well, I wasn't aware of it. Does anybody on this uh, panel do you guys use Binance and have you noticed that there's been suspended coins on that exchange? Um, I, you know what? I tried to do a, a Binance US thing, but I don't know. It's because if I have a common name or whatever, but they could never um, authorize uh, my identity. And then they never answer the customer service. So I, I don't. Uh, but I was going to talk about HR. <laughs> Go ahead. Go I think Jackie, but I think Jackie uses Binance. Don't you use Binance, Jackie? Or Binance US? Uh, I tried to get past that. 
uh, barrier. No, I, I didn't yeah. want to risk it. I knew a lot of people that use VPNs to try and use Binance. You know, they were kind of getting caught. So I, I, I pumped the brakes on that one. But I actually had the same thing happen to me with Binance US. So I just never messed with it. Someone has a Binance account, though. I do know that. I yeah. haven't. Oh. I haven't seen any issues with Binance US. I have a Binance US. I haven't really seen anything. Maybe that's uh, the Binance Global because I know that Binance.com is separate separate to Binance US. So maybe the only thing that I've noticed with Binance US is they've been adding a lot of coins recently. Like throughout the whole of last year, they weren't really, they had maybe a handful of coins, like 25, 30 coins. Now they're well over 100. They've been adding coins on a weekly basis. That is very positive. And Gonzo, why don't you take us home on the Hedera thing and then we'll hop into our last article for today. Yeah, you know, like we, we love HBAR. I love HBAR, right? Their governance council is totally decentralized. You know, when they started off, they were trying to get like key partnerships. But um, the the ones that they add now, they've talked about this, are relationships that they want to leverage. So it's really interesting to me when you see something like Ubisoft. And they're not just like from one area. They're from all over, right? They're banks. Uh, video game like Ubisoft, Google, all that stuff. And I think the biggest thing that HBAR did is when they released the patent so that others um, could build onto their network, that was really a, a game changer for HBAR. Um, and so I'm really excited to see where it's going to go um, as the ecosystem develops and they're able to build onto it. Yes, we love HBAR on this channel. And there's a reason we always talk about it. One of the largest oil suppliers in Africa right now is actually using HBAR to build their future for decentralized value exchange. They're going to be facilitating some of these oil deals using cryptocurrency networks. And I think HBAR is going to be one of them. We'll dive into our last article for today. We got 180 live listeners out there. Show us some love and smash that like button. Let the algorithm pump this thing out to as many people as possible. But our last uh, article for today is that Doja Bank sees Bitcoin touching 28,000 by the end of 2022, but wars it against many of the risks that are going to be involved in the crypto market. They talked about the macro effects going on in the economy today, disproportionately affecting cryptocurrencies because of the central bank's tightening process. The bank said that any macro shock would render cryptocurrencies to trade lower and reignite the contagion of risks in the deco DeFi ecosystem. The bank's economists predicted a U.S. recession in 2023 with peak inflation reaching a rate of about 9.1% by the end of this year. And unless Bitcoin becomes a digital oil, its performance will be very low during times of high inflation. $28,000, well, that's not very far from where we are today. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if we got that just on a rebound pump before we continued with our bearish price action. If we did see those levels, I would be using that as a possible time to exit the market on anything that I wasn't going to be holding all the way through this bear run. But Jackie, I'd love to hear from you. The floor is yours. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'll comment on this. And then I have another comment on something else. Um, I agree with you, Abs. I think that, you know, that is very possible to see 28K at the end of this year. Um, it's also possible to be lower. So I'm I'm not sure exactly where we'll be at. I just know that, you know, it's it's best to have a game plan. Um whatever you're doing with your with your bitcoin with your digital assets it's best to have a game plan um for ups and downs um definitely spread that portfolio out into you know different holds long term and then shorter term um just so that you're not missing out if it does end up going up or if you're not missing out if it then does go lower um i do want to touch back on that finance thing um just really quick someone i don't know if someone was concerned about that that's just why i'm touching back on it they did end their partnership with capitual so those withdrawals are only being suspended in brazil so i don't know if you're from brazil but that's that's what i'm reading up on so 
Very cool. Uh, Mario, did you have any comments on that closing article? We saw that they're anticipating Bitcoin is not going to perform well during times of high inflation. How do you think Bitcoin is going to hold up if we do go into long-term inflation? Yeah, Bitcoin does well whenever the whenever the government's printing money. We've, we've seen that to happen time and time again. So um, again, 2024, 2025 is what I'm looking at. Um, if the if the government all of a sudden starts printing money again, if they start doing some quantitative easing again, then we could potentially see a, a little bit of uh, a relief in the in the price action. But honestly, uh, yeah, I'm not really I'm not really too excited about the whole narrative of Bitcoin being a hedge against inflation. It hasn't really proven to be a hedge against inflation this time. Can it become a hedge against inflation in the future? Can it become can it become like gold and really become uh, as more stable and become a digital uh, form of gold. We'll see. We'll see if that that turns out to be the case. Gonzo, how do you feel about Doja Bank here? We're continuing to see more and more larger banks and institutions getting involved or at least giving their opinions on cryptocurrency. This is another example of that. What catches your attention here? And how do you feel about the $28,000 Bitcoin price target? To me personally, seems very low. Um, yeah, you know, I take everything in levels. So the first level I have to see it get through is 25K, right? But the only way I see that happening is um, if all of a sudden they take the, um, their foot off the brake, right? And we don't get the 75 basis points next month or uh, one of the, one of the uh, months that it's expected to go up, they don't, right? And then like um, Mario was saying, they, they have to turn the printing machine back on, right? Because um, Bitcoin has never seen this before, this kind of macro economic environment where we're at. Uh, we've never we've never seen it before. I know we've said that it's a it's a hedge against inflation, but um, right now it's not it's not turning out that way because inflation is just so out of control, right? Um, but um, I, I think Mario brings up a good point. I, I think that um, it will be in the future, right? We, we have to see how it's going to react to this macro environment. Um, but yeah. Gonzo, I do have one closing question for you here. You always talk about Ethereum, and we have many competitors out there, such as the Flare Network, but we're showing a tweet right now that showed 40% of Ethereum's total transaction volume came from large institutional transactions, and I feel like going forward, we're only going to see more and more of this. How do you feel about Ethereum being able to withstand itself as a competitor to some of these other DeFi protocols, such as Cardano, AVAX, and Flare? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I love Ethereum, right? But I mean, but I love XRP, I, I love uh, HI, all those things, right? But I, I mean, I spent three days one day, uh, like just doing a lot of research on the white paper and stuff. Um, and, it, you know, you can't argue that it's the biggest DeFi space and it's held up, right? Um, we have to see what happens with the merge. I am not surprised that we have all this institutional money that's um, in Ethereum because they're just embedded, right? Ever since they got that pass, uh, back when Hinman did that speech, um, these guys have been investing in it, right? And that's the whole, when we see the merge, when this thing pulls off, um, you're, you're going to see this more and more, right? Um, but yeah. Yes. And one of the benefits of being involved in a manipulative market is it can kind of be easier to pick the winners and losers by just watching the people who control this thing. And right now the SEC is choosing Bitcoin as a commodity. And it seems like it's choosing Ethereum as a security. We're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our guests. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you to the new defender. And thank you to Gonzo. We got 165 live listeners out there. Show us some love and smash that like button. We will see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Turn up to April. We love you.